Pain in your life could be caused by living in a broken world, by your choice, or by the choices of other people. Today, we'll be looking at the book of James and learning lessons that will help us better handle problems, pressures, and pain in life. This message is the first in the series, Real Deal Faith. The message is entitled, Handling Problems, Pressures, and Pain. Here is Pastor Dale Shields. Grab your Bibles, your teaching sheets as we get ready to study God's Word this morning. Why don't we give a good welcome to all those at all of our campuses today, our Gaithersburg campus, our Frederick campus, Clarksburg, universities at Shady Grove, and welcome to all of us who are studying God's Word together. I'm starting a new series of messages for the summer entitled Real Deal Faith. I want to talk to us this weekend about handling problems and pressures and pain. How do we handle problems and pressures and pain in our life? The study for the summer is the study of the book of James. The book of James, five chapters in the book of James, is a phenomenal book to study. It's an important book in our Christian faith. We will be studying the book of James not as an expositional study, but as a topical study. There's a difference in those those two kinds of Bible studies. An expositional study is where you take verse by verse and go through the entire book of the Bible or sections of Scripture, and, and the topical study is pulling out the different topics that you find either in a chapter or in a book of the Bible. And we're going to be looking at topics in the book of James, primarily because we don't have time to work our way this summer through every verse and all the dimensions of the book of James. But there are some themes that you'll find in James that are consistently repeated by him that are important for us to understand. And I pulled out seven or eight of those themes for the summer for us to look at together. So I would highly recommend that you take some time this summer and maybe use the book of James in your devotional studies, maybe begin reading it this week and uh, meditating upon it, because it will help you as we go through our study together. Now, James is known as one of the general letters of the New Testament. By general letters, it was a letter that was written to Christians, no specific group of Christians, as Paul would often write to the Romans or to the Corinthians or to the Philippians or to the Galatians. But this book was a general book that generated among all the Christians, as did the other books as well, but a significant book in the New Testament. Now, our Bible contains 66 books. There are 39 books in the Old Testament and 27 books in the New Testament. And when we look at those, those two divisions of the, the Bible, uh, it's important to understand kind of when and how they were written and who they were written to and who were the folks that wrote them used by the Holy Spirit. We do not believe this Bible to be just a human book. It is a God-given, God-inspired book. Amen? But God used people to write it. God moved by His Spirit through people to write the various books of the Bible. In the 27 books of the New Testament, this book, the book of James, is most likely the earliest book that was written and was added to the canon of Scripture. It was written somewhere between probably 40 and 50 A.D., and the setting of the book happens right after Stephen had been stoned for being a Christian. He had been put to death for his faith in Jesus Christ, and a man had watched that happen. A young man had stood by by the name of Saul of Tarsus and had watched as Stephen had been persecuted and martyred for his faith. And then right after that, persecution broke out among the church in Jerusalem and scattered believers around the world called the diaspora. There was a first scattering of people, those coming out of Jerusalem who were Jewish believers in Jesus Christ. And so now they're scattered. And James writes this book to those folks, as we'll see in just a moment, and certainly to us as well, inspired by the Holy Spirit. James. Who is James? 
There are a number of James. James is in the Bible. If you'll study the New Testament, you'll see the name James come up time and time again. But this James is a unique James because as far as we know and everything that we can tell theologically and historically, this James was the half-brother of Jesus Christ. Think about that. He was raised in the same environment that Jesus was raised in. He was Jesus' half-brother. We say half-brother because Jesus did not have a human father. He had a heavenly father. His mother, Jesus' mother, was Mary. But his father was God the Father in this incarnation. And, and James, one of the other children of Mary and Joseph, again was half-brother with Jesus. And during Jesus' ministry, James didn't get it. He didn't understand who his brother was. Not unusual with families, right? He didn't quite grasp the reality until Jesus appeared to him after his resurrection. It was at that moment in time that James, the half-brother of Jesus, gave his heart and life to Christ, realizing that Jesus is not just a half-brother, he's the Son of God. He's the Son of God. And so in writing, we have a book written by the half-brother of Jesus, moved upon by the Holy Spirit at a very specific and significant time in history. I want to read for you the first four verses and the twelfth verse of chapter one. We'll come back to some of the other verses later in our study, but let me start by reading verse number one, James chapter one. James, a servant of God. Isn't that interesting that he doesn't call himself, hey, I'm the half-brother of Jesus, guys. He says, no, I'm a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes, these were the Jewish folks, the Israelites who had been known Jesus, met Jesus, come into faith in Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Count it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces, produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now go down with me to verse number 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. I want you to notice how James begins his letter. He first of all introduces himself as a servant of Jesus Christ, a servant of God. He doesn't boast about his particular standing in the family with Jesus, but he boasts of being a servant of Jesus. And he greets the 12 tribes that are scattered, those Jewish believers who have now had to leave Jerusalem because of their faith in Christ and the persecution that has broken out against them. And it's interesting that James wastes no time going right into the main topic. He zeroes in and starts talking about handling problems and pressures and pain. And he helps them to understand because they are going through a lot of problems and pressures and pain because they're now being persecuted. Many of them as believers have lost homes and lost jobs and lost influence in society because they had to leave Jerusalem because the Jewish folks of Jerusalem were persecuting them for their faith in Christ. And so he's addressing people who are going through a lot of stuff in this moment of their life. And what I want to talk to you about for the next few moments is your life. That while this passage and this book had a lot to say to people in the early centuries of the church, it has a lot to say to you and me as well because I would venture to say that in this room, in all the different campuses today, there are people who are sitting right now under the influence and the hearing of my voice that you're going through some major problems in your life, you're facing some significant pressures, and some of you are going through some pain. And if that's you, just shake your head just a little bit. You know what I'm talking about today. 
their problems and pressures and pain, and we must know as Christians how to handle them. And so James begins his letter and says, I want you to consider it pure joy when you go through problems and pressures and pain. So let's break this apart. Let's break this into some pieces this, this morning and see what lessons we will learn for our lives. I'm going to share with you four lessons out of the verses that we just read together. Number one, you must understand, according to Scripture and James' instructions to us, is that problems, pressures, and pain are part of life. They're part of life. In verse number two, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. I would encourage you to circle the word when. He did not say, if troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. He said, when. And when is a defining moment. This is something that will happen to everyone. Why? Because this is a part of life. You cannot live life and not have some problems along the way, some pressures that you will experience, and some pain that you and I will always go through. Sometimes I'm asked as a pastor, well, if God is so good, why don't we have so many problems in our world? Why is there so much pain in our world? Why is there so much pressure in our world if God is good? I'm going to tell you today, give you the answer to that question. Why do we have problems and pressure and pain in our world? Theologically, there are five reasons why our world is filled with these things. Number one, because our world is broken by sin. We live in a broken world. Our world is not together. It's dysfunctional. It's broken by sin. And even the world is crying out. The creation is crying out for deliverance. Notice how, how Paul describes this in Romans chapter 8, 19 through 23. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. Being eager with hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. Notice death and decay. It's a part of our world. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. Notice that suffering goes along with sin. You can't have sin without having suffering. And because there's sin in our world, what else will be in our world? There will also be suffering. Those two always go together. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. Paul says there's a groan in all of us to be delivered from this environment that we're in that is broken by sin. And because of sin, there's suffering all around us. The evil force of sin in our world and darkness rules our world. There's where the suffering comes from. The second reason why we have pain problems in our world is because we make bad choices ourselves. Sometimes we just simply create our own pain, don't we? Have you ever made problems for yourself? Of course you have. All of us have done things before that we stepped back from and said, you know what, I just hurt myself just then. It wasn't a matter of hurting someone else. It was a matter of I hurt me because I made a bad choice. I did something wrong. I acted foolishly. And Proverbs 13, 15 says it this way, the way of transgressors is hard. So when you transgress... That's when you violate God's law and violate God's covenant and violate God's will, it hurts you, it breaks you, it creates situations in your own life that create pain for you. The third reason why there, there are problems, pain, and pressure in our world is because there are bad people around us and their bad choices affect us. 
It's not just your bad choices, but sometimes there are people around you that do foolish and hurtful things, and those things affect you, don't they? Have you ever been hurt by something somebody else did? You, you didn't do anything wrong, but they did. And because of what they did, it spilled over on you, and you went through, through some suffering in your life because of the evil b- behavior or attitudes or foolish behavior or attitudes of someone else. Even the Apostle Paul experienced this. He describes it in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. He's describing at the end of his life people that he's had encounters with. He makes a comment about a man named Alexander. He said to Timothy, Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. See, Paul went through some pain in his life because he had some bad people around him and some bad people that made bad choices that affected him and hurt him and harmed him in certain ways. The beautiful thing is that Paul never became bitter about it. He always trusted God to bring about the justice that was necessary. The fourth reason why there's problem and pain in the lives of believers is because following Jesus Christ will bring suffering at times. You know that being a believer sometimes gets you into trouble with people? When you stand up for your faith in Christ, not everybody's going to always applaud you. Not everybody's going to say, Ray, Ray, for you because you are, you are, you're following Jesus. Sometimes what will happen is that people will reject you and scorn you and ridicule you and despise you because you're standing for something that is the Word of God that they can't grasp or understand. You're holding allegiance to Jesus Christ and they don't understand or grasp that for their own lives. And so because of that, they take it out on you. They mock you in some way and they persecute you just as was happening for the early church during the time that James wrote this letter. They were suffering for their faith in Jesus. And by the way, as I've talked about for the last couple of weekends uh, as well, as we move toward the end times, this is going to become more of the norm. There are people that will simply not understand us as believers, and we will progressively potentially become more of a minority voice in a world around us. But please remember this, just because you're living with a minority voice of saying that I'm a follower, of Jesus Christ doesn't make you wrong. Sometimes the majority is wrong. Amen? So you and I make a stand and sometimes we make a stand. We suffer for it. And the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 16, but it's no shame to suffer for being a Christian. It is not a shame to suffer for being a Christian. In fact, the early, early apostles rejoiced when they, when they accepted, when they experienced persecution saying, We're, we just are so grateful that, that God counted us worthy to experience this. And he goes on to say, praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. The fifth reason why there's suffering and pain and problems in our world is that God sometimes designs life challenges to grow us. You know that God will sometimes bring some problems into your life and some pressures into your life and some pain into your life just to help you. I'll show you why. You and I would never experience many of our miracles without a problem first. You can't have a miracle without a problem, right? There has to be an impossibility before there's a miracle. And have people say, oh, pastor, I just want to see God working in miracles today. Oh, if God would just work in miracles. And I think, okay, you're asking for problems. Okay. Because if you want a miracle, you have to first of all have a have a problem. There has to be something that is impossible to solve before there can be a miraculous intervention, supernatural intervention of God. And so for us to testify of the miracle power of who God is, we're going to go through some problems at times. Pressure. Why is pressure important? Because pressure, if you respond to pressure the right way, it develops you. You would never have a diamond without pressure. 
you would never have beautiful pearls if there weren't an irritation process that happens inside an oyster. Many of the beautiful things that come to us in our world are the result of a pressurized process, an irritant process that brings about a beautiful result. And so it's true in your life that God can use these things to form you. And sometimes pain in your life produces in you the capacity to find the healing grace of God and restores you and corrects your way. So you see, God sometimes will use pain to get you back on course. Even we as parents understand that. Sometimes you have to exert a little bit of influence of pain into the life of a child to help them to understand they need to change their ways and realize that this is something that's heading them in the wrong direction. God does that for us. Hebrews 12, verses 10 and 11. For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years doing the best they knew how, but God disciplines, God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in His holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's, what is it? Would you agree? God's discipline is, is painful. But afterward, afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So problems, pressures, and pain, they're part of life. Number two, they're not the same for everyone, but everyone faces them. Problems, pressure, and pain, not the same for everyone, but everybody will face them. James 1, verse 2. Notice again, NIV. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Would you say that phrase with me? Trials of many kinds. I want to park there just for a moment. Trials of many kinds. As I was preparing for this series and doing some study, uh, as obviously for uh, teaching God's Word to you, I, I took some time to look at that, that phrase, trials of many kinds in the original language. It's interesting that the actual phrase there, trials of many kind, means this, trials of various colors, trials that come in a variety of forms and shapes. What it means is this. It means that everybody is going to experience their own unique set of trials and tribulations in life. What I face may very well and likely will be different than what you face, and what you face will likely be different than what someone beside you is going to face, but everybody faces them in some way. So your problems are not necessarily the same problems I'm going to experience, but everybody has them. And this is why it's so important that you never live your life in comparison to someone else. Because many times you'll look at your life and say, God, why me? I seem to be going through all this mess, all this stuff, and look at those folks over there. They never seem to go through anything. And when you and I move beyond our world and start comparing ourselves with someone else, the problem is we don't really know what that person is going through. And I promise you that everybody goes through something. There are various kind of trials that come and various ways and you need to not fall prey to the trick of the adversary that tells you that God's simply after you and that God is picking on you and that everything's bad for you and everything's going good for everybody else and so it's important to realize shape, the shapes and colors of trials are different for everybody but everybody faces them we all have a unique journey that we have to walk with God number three problems pressures and pain don't have to destroy your joy they do not have to destroy your joy. This is a very important statement. This is actually at the heart of part of what James uh, says as he begins his letter to these persecuted believers. Look at verse 2 again. I want to read this time from the New Living Translation. And you'll notice that I'm sort of going back and forth in the NIV to the New Living Translation. Let me just pause for a moment give you a little Bible study tip. 
Uh, one of the things that I do when I'm studying Scripture is I often will lay out several translations. Why? Because the original language of the Old Testament, primarily Hebrew and, and Aramaic, and, and you'll find that there are different translations of different words because many of these words are very rich with meaning and have different nuances. And the New Testament Greek is the same way. And so if you'll look at different English translations, it gives you a fuller sense of what a particular passage might say. Now, when I do my primary devotional study, I devotionally study primarily through the New King James version and the NIV is what I primarily use for my devotional time. But when I'm studying, I will use lots of different translations just to help me to get a fuller sense of what a passage is. And so that's why I'm using, and that's why I often will use different translations as a part of my teaching because it provides a fuller sense of things. Here I'm reading from the New Living Translation, James 1 verse 2. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind or various kinds, any kind, come your way, what is the next word? Say it with me. What is the word? Say it out loud very firmly together with me if you don't mind. Consider. Circle that word on your notes or at least be aware of it. Consider. Write it down maybe. It's an important word. I'm going to bring it back to you in just a moment. Consider it an opportunity for great joy. Listen to it again. When troubles of any kind, various kinds, whatever the color of your trouble might be, when it comes your way, what are you to do? What was the word I gave you? Or the scripture gave you, more importantly. What's the word? Consider. Grab that word. So consider. The word consider means to think about, right? That's when you consider something, you're, you're thinking about it. You're trying to make a decision about something. You're going over different aspects of something. And so that's the idea. Consider. Put your mind to work. But the actual Greek term that's used here is a word that is interesting because it's a word that means to lead or to go before or to get out in front of or to actually... Actually, one, one, uh, one resource I looked at said to lead your mind in the right direction. I love that. That when you're going through troubles of any kind, lead your mind in the right direction. Have you noticed that when you're going through troubles of many kinds, any kind, your mind tends to go in the wrong direction? And your mind begins to shift and begins to move into the self-pity mode and to how horrible things are and how bad life is. And it's so interesting that James, inspired by the Holy Spirit, pulls out this particular word and says, when you're going through trials of any kind, you consider or make sure that you lead your mind where? Not in the wrong direction, but lead your mind in the right direction. Get your mind going where your mind needs to be. That is, get the right perspective on your problem. And the way you get a good perspective is by your position. Remember this. You may want to write it down. Position always affects perspective. Any videographer or photographer could tell you that. If, I'm, if I kneel down and I look at you, I see you one way, okay? I'm looking at you from this position, right? So my position produces a, help me out church, a perspective, right? Say it with me. My position produces a perspective. Wherever you're, in any realm of life, your position always affects your perspective. If I climb on the top of a ladder and look at you, then I will see you differently. Why? Because my position determines my perspective. Now, what position should we have as believers? 
The Bible says that we have been seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. When you met Jesus, he gave you a position. And where is your position? Where is your rightful position as a believer? It is seated with Christ where? In heavenly realms. So that means that you ought to have a heavenly perspective on everything you go through in this earth, right? Don't look at the world around you the way everybody else does because you have a different position that allows you to have a better perspective, right? That means don't... As a believer, live in the basement looking at your problems. No, as a believer, look in the fact that I'm seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. I can see more broadly. I realize that God is doing something through all of this. I don't have to lose my hope in the moment. Why? Because I have a heavenly perspective of what is transpiring. So my position is impacting my perspective. Therefore, I can consider things. I can lead my mind in the right direction when I'm going through stuff in life. Don't let your mind take you in the wrong way, man, okay? Proverbs 4.23, be careful, be careful what you think, because what your thoughts run your life. The right perspective in your troubles is simply this. He says, consider it pure joy. And he said it this way, when troubles of any kind come along you, because it's an opportunity, I like the way the NLT says it, it is an opportunity for great joy. This will change everything for you. When you think of your troubles not as trouble but as an opportunity, everything changes. When I consider and say, you know, I'm going through something right now, what an amazing opportunity. Instead of, what terrible trouble, what an amazing opportunity. I have an opportunity right now, as we're going to talk about here in the fourth point, in just a moment, to see God work in an incredible way. So you consider, you get the perspective that God is going to use all that you're going through for something good. And that's the fourth point. When you're going through problems and pressure and pain, understand that they always have a divine purpose. That is your heavenly position with the right perspective. Whatever I'm going through, I can say, you know what? Something good is going to come out of this. Why? Because I am a child of God. God is with me. He has not forsaken me. He's not leaving me behind. He's not somehow set me up for a failure. If God be for me, who can be against me? And so I'm not actually going down for the last time. I'm going down, but I am am coming up again. I will not live down in the basement. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly realms. I am going to make it through because God is giving me an opportunity to prove his power and to show that faith really does work. And so it changes everything for you. It transforms you in troubled times. It gives you, again, that perspective that allows you to have now power to make it through. and The power is in the purpose. So you've got position that gives you perspective and the right perspective will give you power to make it through. And the power is that power of purpose. God's doing something here. Now, I want to say something before I get into these, these verses here and some last things I want to say. Remember this, though. Not all pain comes from God. You must understand that, right? Not all pain comes from God. Sometimes pain comes from living in a broken world. Sometimes we see all the evil stuff that goes around us and things that happen, and that's just that's a broken world. We suffer because we live in a sinful world that's waiting for its redemption from Christ. We suffer sometimes not because anything God does. It's just the stuff we do, right? 
We do stuff and we mess up and so we suffer because of that. Sometimes we suffer, as I mentioned a moment ago, moment ago because of other people doing bad things. And so not every, every bit of pain in your life is coming from God. But please remember this. Even when pain or problems don't come from God, God can use those still in your life. Okay? Even though they did not originate from God. Now, God does allow certain problems in our life to perfect us and do those things we'll talk about in a bit. But understand this. Even if it's not coming directly from God, God is allowing those problems to do something to shape you in your world and in your life. Romans 8, 28. Would you all read this together with me? All the campuses. Let's read aloud and loudly God's Word. Romans 8, 28, NIV, together. And we know. Stop there for a moment. Circle the word know. The word know there is K-N-O-W. It's like we have an experiential knowledge. It's not like a fact that you just sort of know. Actually, the, the, the word there means you have a knowledge that's based in experience. You're confident of something because you know it. Like somebody tries to take something that you know to be sure they can't pull that belief from you. It's solid in you. And let's begin again. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. That's a verse that every time you read it should cause you to shout, think, or say hallelujah. Listen to it as I read it again. And we know. Paul says, I know this. This is in my gut. It's down in my being. By experience, I can tell you this, that in all things, God is always, all things, God is working for the good of those who love him. Do you love God today? How do you know you love God? Okay. I'm going to show you how you know you love God. It's very clear in scripture. The Bible says you, you, you know that you love God if you obey his commandments. That's what it's very clear. If you say I love God, don't obey his commandments. Guess what? You're fooling yourself. That's just straight up. Okay. If you say I love God, but you live your own way, you don't really love God. You love it. You love you. You love what you want to do. And so you love God, it means that you obey His commandments. So the Bible says, if you love God, here's a promise for you. You can know this, that in your love relationship with God, God is going to take all things, whether they're from Him or around you because of the world that you live in or some of the mistakes that you've made in your life, that God can even take those things and make them work out for good because you've been called according to His purpose. God can reshape history for you. Amen? He can reshape it for you. Let me take you to Genesis chapter 50, and the same principle is at play here. Background of the story, just for a moment, uh, Genesis, uh, this portion of the Bible, is a story of Joseph, and Joseph, when he was a 17-year-old uh, boy, he was, uh, he was sold into slavery because of the dream that he shared with his brothers. They didn't like it, so they sold him into slavery. They ended up down in, in, in Egypt uh, serving Potiphar. He's falsely accused of, uh, of, of raping Potiphar's wife. He ends up in prison. He goes through this long period of time. Ultimately, he's taken out of prison and made the prime minister of Egypt, and his brothers are back in in Israel, if you will. They're back in their homeland, and there comes this famine, and now they've got to go to Egypt because Egypt is the only place that has the food, and now Joseph, the brother they sold into slavery, is in charge of the food. So they've got to go back and ask the prime minister of Egypt for food, not knowing that it's their brother Joseph who they sold into slavery. Got it? Do I need to go through that again? Okay. I'm not even sure I could, okay? You got it. About three of you, I think, got it. Let me ask it. Got it. 
Yeah, okay. Here come the brothers in, asking for food of the prime minister. And they, a couple of things have happened, events have transpired. And it comes to the point where Joseph is finally going to reveal himself to his brothers as being his, their, their brother that they, they'd sold into slavery. And here's the moment he unveils the fact, I am your brother. Can you imagine what those other brothers were feeling when Joseph said, I am the guy you sold into slavery. You wanted to kill me, but you sold me into slavery. And now I've got the power. You used to be in power, but now I have the power. See, a lot can be said about what people do when they get in power, amen? A lot can be said about what people do when they get in power. And now Joseph is in power, he has a power position, and we're about to see the real character of Joseph, because I promise you, when you're in a position of power and influence, your character will eventually come out. And here is Joseph in this situation. We're going to see what his character is. What is this guy Joseph made of? Is he the real deal or not? Does he have real deal faith or is he phony baloney? And the Bible says that in that moment, Joseph turns to his brothers and says, even though, I love this, even though you plan evil against me, read the rest with me. God planned good to come out of it. I say Joseph passed the test. Don't you agree with me? In a moment when he could have taken advantage of his power position, Joseph said, you know what, guys? You meant this for evil. But in what you were doing, you could never override what God could do. And you meant it for evil, but God turned it for good. And now I can give you food because of the fact that God has redeemed a situation that you planned for bad. Listen, all things in your life, God has a purpose. He can work them for the, together for the good of those that love Him. Let me conclude here with James 1, 2 through 4 and some final points I'll share with you in just the next few moments together. James 1, 2 through 4. New Living Translation again. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, that's an important statement there, endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Listen to NIV. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, or NLT said endurance, perseverance. Let perseverance, endurance, finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. When you and I go through our problems and pressures and pain this way, this is what real deal faith is. When you and I go through our problems, pressures, and pain this way, here's some things, quickly five benefits that will happen in your life. And why don't you read them together with me, all of our campuses. Let's read the five things together. Number one, it proves the value and strength of your faith. When you go through things like this, it proves your faith really does work. It tests your faith and shows that faith really works. Second of all, it softens and seasons your soul. It makes you real on the inside, not just phony. You've gone through some stuff. You ever been around a Christian before who's gone through some stuff and they come out on the other side and they're, and they're doing okay? And there's something sweet about their spirit. There's something wonderful about them. They've been through the fire, but they don't smell like smoke. Right? You know, you can go through fire and come out not smelling like smoke, okay? 
they don't smell it all. They have something about them that is sweet. That's the kind of person I want to be. How about you? Number three, it deepens your character. Character is the real you. It's who you are on the inside. It's what the essence of your being and what needs to happen is there needs to be more of Jesus in you and less of you in you. And part of what will happen as you go through stuff in life is that God uses these things to knock the you out of you. And many times we need lots of you knocked out of you and I knocked out of I. Us knocked out of us. Because as we grow in Christ, there needs to be more of Him and less of us. And it develops our character. Number four, it makes you mature. Who wants to be a baby your whole life? Yeah, at some point in time, some adults, I just want to say to them, I, just, I got two words for you. Yeah, you know the words, don't you? Okay. That's all I want to say. In Jesus' name. Who wants to be a baby your whole life? There are a lot of people, they're 60 and still wearing diapers, okay? Spiritually speaking. Why? Because you're always having to clean up their mess, okay? There's always some mess around them, okay? Because they haven't learned how to tend to themselves. They haven't learned how to grow up and accept maturity in their life. So these things help you mature. Number five, it grows your endurance, the ability just to keep on going. And the Bible in verse 12 shows us the end result. When you live this way, notice what happens. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation afterward. That is on the other side of it. What will they receive? The crown of life that God has promised to those who love Him. Now the crown of life is ultimately an eternal reward. But I will, I will tell you this, that there's always a new dimension of life that you experience when you pass a test here on earth as well. You come into a greater fullness of life. NIV says, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Warren Wearsby, in one of his books, made a statement about testings and trials that Christian believers go through in their life. And I want to read you his statement as I wrap up here today. Always remember this. This is a great little statement. You may want to write it down. Certainly remember. When God permits his children to go through the furnace, he keeps his eye on the clock and his hand on the thermostat. Isn't that great to know? That when you go through the furnace of affliction, God always keeps his eye where? On the clock. See, when my wife bakes a cake, she sets a timer. Amen? I heard one all right over here. Okay, I need another one, okay? She always looks, she sets the timer. And the timer is, I know how long it needs to be in there, and I know when it needs to come out, right? And God knows you well enough to know how long you need to be in something to bring the best out of you, and when you need to get out. And that's the, that's the, that's the clock element and the thermostat. She always sets it on a certain area. So just turn it up hot. It will cook faster. I mean, let's put the cake in. I mean, just crank that baby up. We'll have cake in five minutes. If you let me cook it, five-minute cake, promise you. may not taste very good. It's going to be quick, though. I might even bypass the oven. Just pop it in the microwave. Just, just fire the devil out of it in Jesus' name, okay? Okay? right? I'm not a wise cook. You would not want to eat any meal that I prepared for you, okay? It might be hot, but it wouldn't be good, okay? 
But my wife says, no, honey, look, we're going to put it in the oven. And it's going to be at a certain temperature for a certain time. And you're just going to have to wait, right, until the clock stops and the thermostats turn back down again. And then you can have the cake. And the same is true for you that if you're going through a trial today, and I'm talking to someone here this, this morning, probably many of you, all of our campuses, if you're going through a trial, you're facing some problems and some pressures and some pain in your life, if you love God, and I believe that you do, you can remember this. God has his eye on the clock. And he has his hand on the thermostat. And I promise you, when you come out, you won't be half-baked. You'll be just right. Amen? You'll be just right. Let's pray together. I'm going to conclude today in two aspects of things. Number one is this, all across all of our campuses. If you're going through a problem today or some problems, some pressure and some pain, wherever you are, if you're in the Gaithersburg campus, you're at Clarksburg, University of Shady Grove, Frederick, watching online today, I want to pray for you. If you'd say, you know what, Pastor, I'm feeling the heat right now. I'm going through some stuff in my life, but I want to make it through. I'm going to trust God to bring something good out of this. I want my peace to be in Him today. I'm going to consider and get my mind going in the right direction. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just simply lift your hand. Well, any campus where you are today, online, I may not be able to see your hand, but the Lord sees it right where you are, numbers of hands that are going up. I want to pray for you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that today is an appointed day from you, from you, that you brought us together for this moment, wherever we might be geographically in this moment, whatever campus we're attending, wherever we might be today, you brought us together in this moment because you love us, you care for us. And I pray for every person who's now reaching up and reaching out to you. You know what's going on in their life right now. And Father, I pray that they would leave this service, this teaching time today with a confidence in them, even as Paul said, that we know we're not doubting it. We're not questioning it. We know, we know that all things are working together for our good because we love you. And God, I pray where the enemy has lied to us and tried to convince us that God didn't care about us or that, that we were sort of being picked on and the universe was against us and God was against us. Lord, I pray that all those, those phony, baloney lies, those things the adversary would do to disturb our spirit, I pray that in Jesus' name, that today those lies would be driven from us and today our confidence would be in you. Help us to remember, Lord, that you have your eye on the clock and you have your hand on the thermostat. And you're doing something good in us for which we, we, even before we see what it is, we give you thanks for it. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that will make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God. And we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. And I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. 
All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward in Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with the pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.